Let's pray together. Father, we just give you thanks this morning that we are in your house. Lord, we thank you for your presence, the sense of your presence among us. Lord, we do pray as we come to your word. Lord, we're asking for your help that you would quicken our mortal beings. And Lord, that you would enable us by your power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, to bring forth thy word. Lord, both to preach and to hear it. Oh God, we pray that your word would not fall on, on, the, on the ground that is hardened. Oh God, or the ground that will be choked up with thorns and the cares of the world, but that there would be a prepared place in our hearts to receive your word, that, that fruit would come forth from your word this morning in our lives. Oh God, we pray for your help. We come against every principality and every power, every work of the enemy, every lion spirit. And we pray this morning that, that as we plead the blood of Jesus over this fellowship today, that you, Lord, would undertake for us and that your name would be glorified, that you would come among us today, Lord. You are the glory, and you are the lifter of our heads. And Lord, would you speak a word in season? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Joel chapter 2, we're continuing on in this, the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read from verse 18, Joel chapter 2 and verse 18. So over the last number of weeks, we've been looking at the need for the servants of the Lord to weep between the porch and the altar, to cry aloud. We know there's an alarm being sounded um, in God's house, both, both literally this morning and also spiritually there's an alarm that's being sounded for God's people to awaken. And in the light of the elections this week, you know, you listen to Friday and thank the Lord that uh, certainly that it's not Jeremy Corbyn, just to be quite frank about it, because that's our male version of Hillary Clinton. But that doesn't mean that Boris Johnson's a righteous man, but we want to pray for our prime minister and pray that the Lord would stir his heart and God would speak to him. But in our own province, we see there's great change taking place. There has been a great change, a great shift. And I believe the Lord has told us that these things will come, come to pass. And we know that our our hope is not in politics. You know, I hear a lot on Friday about there needs to be an awakening in the unionist community. There needs to be an awakening in the church of Jesus Christ because politics is not the answer. And we pray for our politicians. What is the answer? Is a Holy Ghost revival to spread across this land? Is the gospel's the answer to our nation? And so it's important that we keep our focus, pray for those in authority. But we are coming just to this time of, uh, in Joel chapter 2, our reading here is when there's been a time of uh, true repentance and a seeking of the Lord and a weeping of the servants of the Lord, a cry, a real heartfelt cry unto God for the land, for the people, for those that are lost, for the church to be awakened. And then we see that God promises an outpouring of His Spirit. So we're going to read uh, just these verses, 18 through to 27. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn, wine, oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. 
And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen, but I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate and his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up and his, and his ill savor shall come up because he hath done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid. Ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield her strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. I just want you to note that this is the blessing of the Lord. This is what this is. This is what we're reading about. You hear of oil, corn, wine, satisfied, the army being driven back. This is when God visits his people. This is a revival. This is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You see... And we'll look more at this next week. The blessing of the Lord goes right back to when that, that Esau and the, and the blessing of the Lord that was given at that time of corn, wine, and oil. It speaks of God's blessing. It speaks of God's a favor upon a people. And we see in this reading this morning, we hear words like, you'll be satisfied, a reproach will be removed. The army, that's the enemies of God, will be driven back by the power and the presence. Oh, oh we want to see this in our day. The enemies of God driven back, the demonic hosts that have invaded our land and destroyed our young people, that the armies of hell would be driven back by the presence of Almighty God. And there's a time of where we're glad and we rejoice, for the Lord does great things. Great things He does. Great things in the midst of God's people. He pours out His Spirit. And then we see this outpouring of the rains from heaven, the former and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors are full. It's just an abundance of the presence of God. The floors are full. And then something wonderful happens when God pours out His Spirit. There's a restoration. There's a restoration of loved ones. There's a restoration in the land. There's a restoration by the power of the Holy Ghost. We serve a God that restores. Praise the Lord. It's good to know that God's able this morning, no matter how far gone it seems, no matter bleak or dark, or how barren it seems, or how far your loved ones in that world, God's able to lift them out of the dunghill and bring them home. It's the great restoration power of Almighty God. Not the army, not the armies of hell can stop when God moves. The mountains melt at His presence. You'll eat the plenty. You'll be satisfied. We'll be praising the name of the Lord because He's dealt wondrously with us and will not be ashamed. And it finishes with these words that the Lord will be in the midst of His people. 
a manifestation of the presence of God. I know he's here this morning. This is speaking of a divine moment when God pours out his spirit, when God moves, when God acts, when God intervenes, when God comes down, when God comes down, when there's a visitation of the Almighty God, when he breaks through. How many people know we need a breakthrough? We need God to intervene in our homes, our families, in the church, in the nation. We need God to come. And that's what happens when there's a real sense of of intercession and weeping before the throne of grace for God to come. And we'll look more at the divine blessing next week of just wetting your appetite a bit there. You're probably saying, oh, no, where's he going now? But what's important What's important about the divine blessing? This is really important. And I I know of a word from the Lord this morning. I really know, and it's been a battle just to get to where I'm standing, but I know by the grace of God that I'm here because I know God has given me this word. And this is important. If you've got an ear to hear, you'll hear this morning. And you'll hear the Spirit of God speak to you. And it's important because there's principles in God's word that we must look at and know. The blessing of the Lord. There's an outpouring of the Spirit of God. There's a revival, I believe, and I see it in Scripture, not because I just feel good about it, but I can prove it from the God's Word that there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost prior to the coming of the Lord. We're going to read about it in a number of weeks' time. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what's important is there's a divine blessing of the Lord But what we all must know is there's also a divine time. I want you to to stop for a moment because God's got a plan. God has a purpose. And God has, has a plan that he is working according to his plan. Not our plan, his plan. God is in control. He is a sovereign God. He is an almighty God. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's, he is the almighty. He knows the beginning from the end. But we must know that there is a time. There's always a time in God. Now, that's not just in the general as far as the whole of the universe and the earth and the nations. That comes right down to every individual life in this room this morning. God has a time in your life. There's timings in your life. God's got a plan for you, brother, and you, sister. God has a plan for your life, but it works according to his plan. This is so important because I wish I'd have just got a lot of this here when I was about a month saved. It would have saved me an awful lot of wandering through wildernesses and round mountains many times. And I'm not saying this morning that I'm standing here and I've got it all together. I'm still learning and have an awful lot to learn. But there is a time. There's a time that we must know that God works according to His calendar, not ours. God's time, God's choosing, God's way. God performs His purpose. And we understand this term in theological terms. You'll hear people speak of the providence of God. And the the word that you can get out of that word is provide. That God provides, and there's the providence of God. There's a timing, and there's the provision of God. And I can look at lives all across this room, and I can see in your life, and hopefully you can see it in mine, but I can easily see, for many of you in this room, I can see that there's the divine 
hand of God that has been upon you. You look over your life as a Christian. You look back to the moment that you were saved. And can I even say it? Even before you were saved, you know that there was a hand in your life that God has preserved your life because if it was not for that hand, you would already be dead and in a lost eternity. And God coordinated supernaturally And God brought you to the place where you had the opportunity to surrender your life to Him and you willingly give your heart to Him and God brought you into His divine purpose and plan for your life. And that plan hasn't stopped. It's still unfolding. And the hand of the Lord has been upon you and God has provided for you. God has protected you. God has kept you by His great hand. And sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't feel it. But when we just look back down the mountain, then we see that there's a hand on our lives. And God has been leading us and guiding us. Even before we were saved. You know, up until the time I got saved, I was preserved by the hand of God. I know that now, but at the time in my rebellion and doing my own thing and going my own way and and getting up all the mischief of the day and coming up to that time when I was saved, I was in car accidents. I was threatened by paramilitaries. I was running from the cops. I was in trouble with everyone. But the good hand of the Lord was bringing me to a place where I would cry out, Lord, save me. What did he do? He stretched forth his hand and saved me. And so the hand of the Lord is upon your life. And God's provision, God's timing is important. And look back now and say, Oh God, if only you'd have taught me early on that I should wait on the Lord. But I'm a type of guy who finds it hard to wait. But waiting is crucial for a Christian to mature. Because so often, what do we do? We make decisions. We make decisions. And then we ask God to bless our plan. And what happens? Ishmael's are born. We wander for 40 years in a wilderness trying to get God to bless our plans rather than waiting on God and His perfect plan. Do you know what we do? Has anyone ever rushed ahead of God? Come on. <laughs> Come on. See, if you didn't put your hand up, you're in trouble. Thanks, Frank. We, we make decisions. I have many times believed in that to be God and hoping that God and trying to make God bless something that I'm doing. And then it ends up an absolute disaster. And because of his love, he chastises me. He draws me back again. And he says, now this is the way walk in it. Because I'm a child. I'm a son. And he loves me. And he knows that I'm but dust. And I'm prone to wonder. But he's good. He's a good father. And so he comes again and he draws me back into his way. The worst thing is to carry on our own merry way, hoping and believing that God's going to bless my plans and convincing me and everybody else that this is God. And then, in the end, it comes to shipwreck. The Bible's an honest book and tells us of these experiences. 
We understand in the providence of God that there is the blessing and the provision, but there's also the timing. The Bible tells us God's provision, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But the birth of Christ, which wasn't the 25th of December, just in case anyone's disappointed, just to let you know that this morning, but the birth of Christ was divinely planned and timed by Almighty God. It just didn't happen. The Bible tells us that clearly that it was in the fullness of time that Christ came. So we see that Christ came in the timing and the perfect plan of God. The holy book, the Bible, reveals the providential hand of God throughout all generations. You'll find many times that men, when they walked in God's blessing and in his way, the providential hand of God's upon them, the blessing of the Lord's upon them. But many times we see also when men made their own plans and we see then that the blessing of the Lord is lifted and chastisement comes. It's one of the most important things for a Christian to learn is to know what it is to wait upon the Lord. Psalm chapter 27. If you turn there, Psalm chapter 27 and verse 11 says these words. Psalm 27 verse 11. Look at the word of God. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me, verse 12, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. Verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How many people want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? We want to see Him in these days, the goodness of the Lord. Now then the Bible says, we are being instructed, verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Many people find it difficult to wait. Be honest this morning. It's hard to wait, isn't it? And yet it is one of the great practices of the Christian faith to wait on the Lord. It's one of the great signs of maturity in the faith to be able to wait. There's a great danger in not waiting. There's a great danger. I want, to, I want you to, I hope you hear this this morning. There's a great danger in not waiting. A great danger. You see, my life is not a lucky dip. My life's not a box of chocolates or a bag of revels. Just don't know what one you're going to get. My life's divinely ordered and purposed and planned by Almighty God. So is yours. God doesn't make mistakes. God has a divine purpose and plan for every life in this room. God knows my tomorrow. My responsibility to that is to be able to wait on the Lord, to walk in His way, to know His blessing, and He will lead me not to trust in my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge Him. What will He do? He will direct our paths. And how often, as we know the verses so well, we quote them, we have them on walls all over our rooms and our classrooms and our, our Sunday school rooms, our houses. How often do we lean on our own understanding and actually don't apply what the Word says on the wall? 
We make our own plans. We do our own thing. We don't like to wait on the Lord. And we think in some way that we can pull ahead of God and say, well, we'll make our plans. And then we hope that God will bless them. And the worst is so often what I've found over 15 years being in this position is that people have made their plans so many times, but woe betide if you challenge the plan that they've made. Because God, they say, told them. I think we need to be very careful about when we put God's name to any plans. We really need to know that it is God because know what happens? We discredit the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do. There's a time in in God, it's hard to wait. There's a great chapter, it's called the time chapter. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you turn over to it, you'll know it very well. It's often mentioned at funerals and so forth. In this chapter, it tells us Hear clearly that God has a time. God has a time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, To everything, to everything there is a season. To everything that's happening in your life right at this moment, everything, there's nothing left out here. To everything in your life, there is a season. And it says, And a time to every purpose under heaven. Did you read that this morning? That's every detail of your life and my life. Every aspect of our homes, every aspect, our workplace, everything, everything, there is a time and there's a purpose. Not one thing is left out. Now we leave things out thinking that God's not interested in those minor details of our lives, but God is interested in every single part of our lives. And in every aspect of our lives, there is a reason, there's a season, and there's a time, and there's a purpose. How many people believe that? He's an all-knowing, almighty. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's almighty. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. His name's above all names. And God is interested in every life in this room and every single minute detail of your life. Listen, this is how concerned he is. He knows and has numbered the hairs in your head. That's amazing, isn't it? He knows the grain of sand, how many there is. He knows how many stars and has named every one of them. And you're saying this morning that he's not interested in this little part of my life or he doesn't know what I should do. He knows all things. And there's a divine time in God. In verse 9 of the chapter, if you work down, I want you to look at this this morning. Ecclesiastes 3 and 9. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherewith he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in whose time? His time. Do you see it? Also, he has set the world in their heart or eternity in their heart. Now, this is a truth that every man and woman in the planet this morning has eternity in their heart. They have an understanding whether they want to intellectually agree with that or not, that there is an eternity, that there is 
a life beyond this present life. Atheists will try to dismiss that and say there is no God. But see in their heart, that's why never dismay by what a man's saying or arguing with, because in his heart there's eternity. He knows that he is an eternal being. And beyond this world, he may not have the answers and he may be deceived by the devil, but he knows there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's a God in heaven, but he wants to deny it. And so it's important, never go by what men say or argue with you. Just stick to God's word. But even greater than that, and this is important, when you're born again of the Spirit of God and you have your understanding enlightened, then the Holy Ghost puts the purpose and the plan of God into your heart. And you have a choice. You're saved. It doesn't lose your salvation. You're saved. You're washed in the blood. But you have a choice then to walk in the purpose and in the plan of God and the call of God for your life. What am I saying this morning? Do I believe that people can miss their calling? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I believe that God gives man a responsibility to respond to his purpose, to his call for their life? Yes, I do. And so is it possible that yes, you're saved and you're going to heaven, praise the Lord, but that God had a call or a purpose in your life and you can miss that call or purpose? I want to tell you something, you can. And so it says here that he makes everything beautiful in his time. And he has set eternity in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. In other words, our knowledge is limited. We are not infinite. He is. But we trust in him. And he will reveal as we walk in his way. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man. We're walking in the way of the Lord. And he's going to direct our path. The hand of the Lord's upon our lives. And the divine timing of God. He will open the doors when they need opened. But the worst thing to do is to make your own door and go through it. And then say that was God. It's serious. So it says here, and also that every man, verse 13, should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. You can't add or take away. In other words, what I'm saying, and I, and my little mind can't grasp this, but God's got it all planned out and all purpose for every life in this room from beginning to end. And we have a responsibility to walk in his way, to know that good hand of the Lord upon us and to see the blessing of the Lord in His life, our lives. But there's a time. You don't get it all when you're first saved. It all doesn't happen on day one. There's a time. You begin to walk with God and we must know it is God has a perfect plan. Everything is working according to his divine will, his counsel, and his purpose. And we can look at this through, through the scriptures and see the hand of the Lord upon his people. We can look at this even as a people over the past 15 years as a little fellowship. And you know what we have seen? The good hand of the Lord upon us. How time and time again he has opened doors beyond our imagination or what we could ever think or pray for or, or, or believe for. And yet God, as we walk in his way, not, not that we're perfect, but we simply walk in his way. And God has opened the door. 
God has made a way when there's been no way. Because that's the hand. But it's been in his time. It's been his time. And so we see in the scriptures, I want to show you it by example this morning. The reason why it's important that the divine blessing is because God's got a time. God has a time. I know that there is a responsibility of man, and I also believe that God is sovereign. When you tie those things together, our minds, the smoke starts to come out our ears because we don't get it all. We can't understand, but if we did understand it all, we'd be God, right? And we're not, but we do look at this honestly and say, God, show us your way. Well, I want to show you this morning from Scripture, the hand of the Lord. If you turn back to Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 15 and verse 13, we're going to look at Israel, who are our example, how God had dealt with them and how God had promised and covenanted to them. And I believe that today that covenant still stands and God is faithful to his word. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13, we see that Abram, Genesis 15, 13, the Lord speak to Abram and said, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. So God gave his word to Abram, explicitly told Abram what is going to happen. God knows our tomorrow. God knows what's about to take place in the nations. God knows exactly where everything is at at this time. Just like Abram, he warns him that there will be a period of time, but you will come out of that with great substance. So what we see here is a covenant that God gave his word to Abram. So we know Abram had Isaac and there was Jacob. And then we see that out of that came Joseph. And we just go through the story. We're going to cover 400 years in about three minutes, but it's just to show you that God's word's true. And so we see that Joseph comes out of Egypt. He ends up the prime minister And after that, there's another Pharaoh. Now remember what God had said, there'd be a 400-year period. And in that time, that's when we read of Moses, the deliverer. What's happening at this particular period in history is that God would birth a deliverer because God's word would be true. And everything that was happening, the birth of Moses, everything that's going on in Egypt, everything that's going on in the whole world, everything is being aligned towards what God has said in his word. And this is true today. Everything that's happening across this globe presently and this morning is all working towards one thing, aligning with God's word and God's prophecy. It's all coming to pass because God said so. And that should be enough for us. So we see here that Moses is born and here he's hid in the bulrushes. He's brought up in the palace. He leaves the palace, to go and deliver the Hebrews at the age of 40 years old. But you see, brothers and sisters, here we see so often ourselves because Moses believed it's deliverance time, but it wasn't. What did he do? He goes down, he murders a man, and now he spends another 40 years in the wilderness. Now, would he be a candidate for bringing deliverance to Egypt for you and I? Probably not. He was a murderer. He'd feel God. He was brought up in the palace. He didn't have the credentials. We really don't need a Moses. But he was God's man. That's the difference. He was God's deliverer. 
And so we see at 80 years old, he comes back. God meets with him. And now he's going to deliver God's people. This is important. If you turn over to Exodus chapter 12. Now remember what God said. There'd be 400 years. In the writings of scripture. I know some people debate this. I'll show you this in a moment. But it's just very simple. It's not complicated. People say, oh, there's contradictions here. There's no contradictions in God. Exodus chapter 12, verse 40, we see this mighty deliverance. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. Now someone's going to say, but did it not say 400? That's a contradiction. The Bible's not true. Let me tell you before you just gallop away with that horse. It's so simple. The life of Joseph from his birth until he was prime minister of Egypt. How long was that? Anyone guess? 30 years. So when they're looking back, they're looking at his life plus the 400. The promise was enacted when he became prime minister. That's so simple. I know all the the skeptics will say it's a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It's like if I said that uh, the next 12 months are going to be a 12-month period of tremendous blessing every day. And that will start on the 1st of January. And then someone two years later says, he said that at the beginning of December, 13 months. It's just adding a month on to tell you when it was spoken and then the promise was enacted for those 400 years. And so now deliverance comes. Now look at it, Exodus 12. The children of Israel did according to the word of Moses and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled They spoiled the Egyptians. And that day, 400 years, as the word of the Lord states, Israel left Egypt with the spoils of all of Egypt and they marched out of Egypt rank and file. And the Bible tells us that not even a dog was allowed to bark at them. That's God's word. God has a calendar. God has a time that not you or I are going to change. It doesn't stop the divine counsel and the providential hand of God upon their lives. We know, listen, this is what the word of God says. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we'll be changed. There's coming a moment and a day very soon, greater than that of Israel coming out of Egypt, that the church is going to leave planet earth. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the earth. Why? Because God's word says that. That's enough for us. And so we see that the hand of the Lord. Now you remember they come out of Egypt. You remember next of all then they have to spy out the land. What happened? There was 12 spies. There was 10 bad reports. There was two good reports. And what does the Lord say about this? Numbers chapter 14, if you turn over and verse 33 to 34. Numbers 14, 33 to 34. This is what the Lord said. Your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until the carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of days in which you searched out the land, even 40 days each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities Even 40 years, ye shall know my breach of promise. What are we looking at here? Do you think the Lord just picked out 40 just out of the air? But for every day that they spied out the land, a day for a year, 40 years, you'll wonder 
in the wilderness. How long did they wander in the wilderness? Why? Because God said, there's a divine time. When we come to it, if you turn over to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 2, we know that the book of Deuteronomy, it's written just in the last short period before, just at the end of the 40 years, it covers just a short period of time. But in Deuteronomy chapter 2, they've wandered through the wilderness 40 years. Deuteronomy 2 and 7, Then the Lord says, For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. Forty years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. And what does he say? Thou hast lacked nothing. The whole way through this wilderness, I've been with you. I've provided for you. I've kept you. I have fed you. I have led you. And then he says, if you turn way on over just to the end of the book, Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5, look at this provision of the Lord, the hand of the Lord upon his people. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5, the Lord says these words, I have led you 40 years in this wilderness. Your clothes are not waxing old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxing old upon thy foot. That's supernatural. Forty years, their coats were renewed. Their shoes were renewed every day. God had blessed them, fed them, guided them, watered them, fed them, and led them all the way for 40 years. Why was it 40 years? Because God said it would be 40 years. The calendar and the purposes of God we see now a new generation are going to enter in. That's under Joshua. And we see the timing of God is perfect in all these things. In the number of weeks gone by, we've been looking at Israel again. When we see that God would put them into Babylon. And his purpose and his plan would be fulfilled. That he would put them into a place of captivity. Why? Because they rejected the word of the Lord. They wanted to go their own way. They wanted to do their own thing. So what did God do? God would take them from the land that he would chastise them because he loved them. Tells us in Jeremiah chapter 4, Jeremiah the weeping prophet comes to the children of Israel and he says in Jeremiah 4, 27, For thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make a full end. For this shall the earth mourn and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken, I have purposed it, I will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. So we see that the Lord brings his word to his people and his divine purpose and plan. If you go to the end of the book, you see in Jeremiah 29 and verse 10, you see God and his compassion, but he was going to take them off the land for a 70-year period, the Babylonian captivity. And Jeremiah the prophet states these words, Jeremiah 29 verse 10, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon. What does he say? I will visit you. The divine timing and purpose of God. I will visit you. I'm going to come to you. And it says, and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. I, I just want to say, just in real terms, if you were alive at that time, and had witnessed the destruction of the temple, the plundering of all the, the vessels out of that temple, the absolute destruction. You've seen the, the Israelites, like Daniel and so forth, all being carried away in the Babylonian captivity. You see the destruction and the power of the enemy. You see the destruction of the king poking out his eyes, murdering his sons. You see the mess that had come. And now they're away in a foreign land, and they're in Babylon. And you would think to yourself, 
well, this is just the way it is. This is the way we have to live. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when God says, after 70 years, I'll visit you, let me tell you what's going to happen. After 70 years, he's going to visit them. It's so simple that there's a divine time in God. And when he did come, and I pray this, I honestly pray this for our new prime minister. I really do pray this for our new prime minister. I know he's not a saved man. I don't know there might be many questions over his morality and so forth, and the laws certainly that he supported. But in, in the Bible, in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, this is what it says after those 70 years. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. What did the Lord do? He stirred up the spirit of a heathen king called Cyrus, who was the king of Persia. I pray genuinely this morning, and we should, Lord, stir up the spirit of Boris Johnson to remember the heritage of this nation, that its roots that its roots are in the gospel, are in the power of God's word, that this nation was great not because of its armies, but because it feared Almighty God. And if God stirred up the heart of King Cyrus, surely he can stir up the heart of Boris Johnson. You see, somehow we come to believe that in Acts chapter 28, that God no longer has a calendar. That God no longer is working according to his purpose. That God's not a God that intervenes anymore. That he doesn't have a plan. That he doesn't really know what's happening. Let me tell you something. The God of the old is the God of the new. And he's the God of 2019. And God is able because he has a plan and he has a purpose. We must understand that that purpose has not ended even particularly with Israel. Romans chapter 11, you read that chapter when you go home. God has not forsaken his people, Israel. We see it in God's word. Man may write it off, but we're warned that the Gentiles should not be puffed up and thinking, we're the people. We're sinners saved by the grace of God. God has a plan and God is unfolding that plan. This is the greatest time to be alive in history. It really is, brothers and sisters. We're walking in the fulfillment of God's word. God is fulfilling what he has said. The Lord, what he said would happen, is happening today. And we're alive to witness it. We'll be brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is a moment in all of history that the prophets would long to be a part of. We see the unfolding divine purposes of God. And what's so important is that we know that our lives are aligning generally, corporately, but individually to the divine purpose of God. Somehow God's got you in Balnehinch this morning by the divine purpose and timing of God. Somehow God has brought you to this place for such a time as this. You think you're here because it's just a coincidence? You think you're here because it's your plan? Brothers and sisters, this morning, this is the divine purpose and will of Almighty God for your life to be here this morning. God makes no mistakes. Now what we do is we align ourselves not to my wee plans. Oh, I'm going to bring my plans to Jesus. Lord, you bless them this morning. These are my plans. This is what I want to do. Oh God, would you please bless them? Okay, thank you God. You bless them. Now I'm going to do what I want to do. 
And then the destruction comes, the shipwreck comes, then the pain comes. And then the, the, then after all of that, the rebellion and heart comes. Then the, the justifying of ourselves comes. Then the blaming of others comes. This is what happens in church life. This is what we deal with. And you sit down in honesty to talk and to share with people and say, this is not the way of the Lord. I feel in my spirit. No, but God's told me, brother. And then destruction comes. And shipwreck comes. And lives are ruined. And callings are destroyed. This is reality, brothers and sisters. This is reality. This is everyday life. It's more than we go to church. It's more than we tick the boxes. It's more than we do our little thing and make our own plans and devise our own schemes and say, oh God, you just bless them. There's a way that we must walk. There's a way that we must live. The Bible's clear on how we're to live our lives. No, but God's told me. How many times I've heard that in 15 years? God's told me. And there's, it's absolutely sometimes contrary, blatantly, black and white, against what God has said. God's told me, I'm to marry this person. And they're not saved. God's told me I have to do this. Brothers and sisters, I say this genuinely this morning and honestly from the sincerity of my heart. If God's word says it, that's it. Then we try and we manipulate and we work. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, there's a way we need to walk. But you know what it is? It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait. Oh, it's tough to wait. Anybody know it's hard to wait? Praise the Lord, you're all with me now. Because we've all been there, haven't we? Like if we're really honest this morning, we've all been there. Come on, I, I think we need to be honest. How many people have stepped out of the will of God? How many people have done it and thinking that it is God? And isn't it good that God brings us back? Put your hand up and say, praise the Lord, have he brought you back? Because he doesn't leave us to ourselves. Why? Because he loves us. He'll chastise us. He'll rebuke us. But that great love of Jesus will draw us again into that path and say, now son, my son, this is the way. Walk in it. The great difficulty is too often we're like the prophet on the donkey. You remember him? He was giving it the message. He's going his way. There's the angel of the Lord with the flaming sword right before him. And even the donkey seen it and he didn't. The old donkey can see it. And then he's beating the life out of the donkey. The old donkey gets some going over. Blame the donkey. But the donkey seen it. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, and even those that aren't saved, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. It's a divine plan. Your life is divinely planned when you come to know Christ as your Savior. He has a plan. Listen to me. He has a plan that no careers officer could ever offer you. He's a plan that not a person in this world could give you. He has an amazing plan for your life. 
but it begins at that cross. He has divinely purposed and planned your life, brother and sister. I have a responsibility this morning not to lean on what I think, but in every way acknowledge him. What will he do? Praise the Lord, he's going to direct my path. Sometimes the path is narrow. Sometimes the path is dark. Sometimes the path is lonely. Sometimes even there's tribulation. But let me tell you something. I'd rather be on this path than any other path in this world. He makes everything beautiful in his time. In his time. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because I want it in my time. But he makes everything beautiful in his time. It might look a bit rough at the moment, but God has a time. And he reveals that into the hearts of his people by his spirit. This is what the Holy Ghost would say. The eye has not seen, nor has the ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us. How? By his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. He'll take the plan that the Father has for your life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he'll do, Victoria? He'll reveal it by his Spirit right into your heart. This is the plan for your life. You begin to walk in that plan and walk in his way. There's times come then we're provoked or we're tempted to go our own way. We are, aren't we? Come on, we need to be honest this morning. Even if you're older in the faith, I've walked longer than the rest of us. It's good to hear that, do you know what? Sometimes you fear off a wee bit, but that's why the shepherd has a hook and he can pull you back in. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Spirit helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart's are you willing to allow your heart to be searched by the Holy Ghost that every plan and purpose and decision you're about to make is from the Lord? The Spirit searches and knows the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then we know See, we just start normally at verse 28. All things work together for good to them. Love the Lord. Praise the Lord, Tim. But if you just sort of go back a bit, you get the context. Is he searching your heart? Is he revealing his purpose? Are you walking in his way? We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to them that are called according to to his purpose. To his purpose. God's got a divine time. You think it's a mistake that we Enzo came into the life of Jeff and Gillian. God's a divine purpose and plan. And God has done that. You think it was a mistake that over a year ago that, that uh, Paul and 
a Marguerite who'd wept over their daughter and our daughter sitting here this morning, brought home into the family of God, restored, healed and forgiven. Do you think it's all a, just a coincidence? Do you think even the things that happen in our lives that aren't so pretty, the things, the disappointments, the tribulations, the brokenness, do you think they're a mistake? I want to tell you something. They may look dark, dismal. It may look bleak. I want to tell you what the Word of God says. He makes everything beautiful in His time. All I encourage you to do is wait. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Father, this morning we pray as we still our hearts before you, Lord, that you would by your Spirit, reveal your will, your purpose, your plan into every life in this room. Even those that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, you opened the heart of Lydia, and Lord, in a moment, you can pour in your purpose and your plan into a heart. Eyes can see, ears can hear, lives can be transformed supernaturally by the power of your Spirit. Lord, this morning we bring all of our hopes and our plans, all of our ambitions, all of our ideas. Lord, we're not afraid to do this because we know that the only plan and the best plan for our lives and for our church is your plan. So we don't fear this morning laying our Isaacs on the altar. We don't fear this morning laying our all down. We don't fear this morning saying, Lord, here's a blank page. You fill it in. We don't fear this morning that even all of our plans and ideas of what we want, Lord, we don't fear this morning laying them at the feet of Jesus and looking into your face and saying, Now, Lord, have your way. For, Lord, whether you would raise that plan up or whether you would pull it down, we have decided to follow you. Decided to walk in your way. Lord, give us ears to hear. Leave us not to our own selves, our own ways. Lord Jesus, this morning, reveal your heart by your Spirit to each of our lives. Have your way in our lives, we pray. Jesus, near.